Today, let me ask you all a question. Who likes to be interrupted? Ever. Maybe not ever, but I mean, sometimes interruptions are good, and they'll, they'll distract you from what you, you know, don't want to do, but who gets frustrated when they're interrupted? Anybody? Everybody? Who lives with their, inter- don't raise your hand, with their interruptions? Uh, 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 sometimes, you know, we get caught up, and we, we're doing whatever we're doing, and it may be of incredible importance, and an interruption will arise in the form of another question, in the form of a person, in the form of a text or a phone call, and we may get a little frustrated with it. Like, just let me finish what I'm doing. Let me finish typing this text. Let me finish doing the dishes. Let me finish just sitting here in five seconds of silence. Let me just finish, and I'll get to your whatever thing in a minute. We may not answer it with the amount of frustration we may be feeling, or maybe we do, but uh, interruptions are rarely a fun experience, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. You know, I was looking at a story this week. It's a famous story, uh, but it's about Martin Luther King Jr. You know, he would spend a great deal of time in preparing his speeches, and people he, he surrounded himself with would always want to uh, help him with his speeches and have input on them, and they would ask him, you know, do you want me to come with you and help you, you know, just to relieve some of the, the pressure and try to take it off? He said, no. And what he would do is he would say, no, I need to go and let God review it with me. And he would go off and he would spend time in prayer over his speeches. But there's one particular day he was doing that, and he had some really smart guys that were there trying to help him, and he shrugged them off and went off and spent what they might consider an inordinate amount of time in prayer because this speech just was not coming together. It just wasn't happening. And um, he, wor- he, had, he had worked up something, and it was, it was going to be a big one. I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of people watching this deal and, and listening on the radio. It was, it was a huge speech. But it just wasn't coming together. It wasn't fitting this time. And that was getting him really frustrated. And so he gets up on the stage that they have set up the next day and, and, and the, the speech is getting ready to be delivered and there's some music that happens and some other people say some stuff and he's just sitting back there with the speech in his pocket of his coat thinking, this isn't going to work. <laughs> this, this, is, this one's going to bomb. Of all the speeches I'm about to deliver, this is going to be the one in front of all these hundreds of thousands of people that isn't just isn't going to work. But he was just still going to give it his all. And so it comes his turn and everybody's you know, on bated breath. They're anticipating this moment. They, they, they've been on buses and trains and walked for hours and hours just to get there for this moment. And he gets up and puts a speech on the podium and he delivers the first line and it's five score years ago was the opening line of this speech he had written. And some, some of his most trusted friends, I saw an interview the other day with some of them and they said it was the most... Uh, the way he delivered that opening line had zero energy in it. And we all just kind of deflated a little bit, like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> the people came to hear something. This one is just not, this one's going to flop. But then, down the row, the front row of people, he's up on the podium, hundreds of thousands of people, there's chairs behind him. Down the row is the singer. And the singer yells out to him, knowing that he's struggling. Uh, her name was Mahalia Jackson. 
Some of you know where I'm going with this now. She yells at him, tell him about the dream, Martin. And he looks down at his speech, and he looks up and doesn't look at it again. Because he tells them about something that's on his heart. And he says those opening lines that have been considered by some to be the greatest speech of all time. And he looks out at that crowd and he says, I have a dream. And history was changed in that moment. Because he was interrupted. If he had just pushed through with his speech, none of us would probably remember it. (laughs) It probably would have just flown by the wayside because he had some other ones that were great. But he delivered that one. And he changed everything. All because he was interrupted. The interruption made all the difference in the world. The interruption changed everything. And what we're going to see today is sometimes we do get frustrated with interruptions. How do we handle interruptions? How can we be okay with interruptions? As we've been looking at the way of Jesus and the life of Jesus what you see often is Jesus is interrupted frequently. Very, very frequently. Sometimes rudely, sometimes looking for compassion and help, but he is interrupted very frequently. And every single time, he responds in patience and compassion. Just in the same way, Martin Luther King took the interruption and embraced it and allowed it to change his direction Jesus would embrace the interruption. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Jesus went to this one area, and he had done some healing and some teaching, and uh, he healed quite a few people, but then he and his disciples got into a boat. They crossed this lake. There was a guy over there who was possessed by a demon. They healed that guy, and in the course of time, they make it back to the area where he had been healing and teaching before. And there's a lot of anticipation him coming back because the people now who were in that area would have heard about him healing and teaching last time. And so if they had any ailments, they're going to want to come out because they know Jesus has healed people this time, the last time. They want, they want to be a part of that this time. And so they're getting ready for this. So this is Mark or Luke chapter 8. If you have a Bible in the pew rack, it's on page 866. Uh, Luke chapter 8 here, starting in verse 40. Now when Jesus returned... a a crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him so they were waiting for him they're they're ready, they're excited Jesus is coming and it's, it's almost like some people had run ahead of Jesus to tell the town he's coming and they're waiting, they're expectant and as word gets around town and some people come out, this one particular guy verse 41 comes out and there came a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had had only one daughter, or he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. She was dying. That literally means she was in death. I mean, she is moments from death. And this man, he's in the house with his daughter, his wife, and other people, and uh, Word reaches the house that Jesus is coming. Jesus who healed so many people. Jairus jumps out of his house and runs to where Jesus is coming to try to intercept him. And begs Jesus, says there, he implored him. He begs Jesus, come to my house and heal my daughter. 
come to my house and heal my daughter, please. It says he falls down in front of Jesus. And he was a, a leader in the synagogue. This is a big deal. He's a Jewish leader coming to Jesus, Jesus claiming to be the Messiah, and asks him to come and heal his daughter. And so Jesus says, yes, the rest of that verse. As Jesus went, people pressed around him. Now, they, as they walk through town, some of the roadways and walkways were kind of tight. And as they're walking, people are pressing around. They want to get close to Jesus. They want to get up there. They want to touch him. They want to hear him. They want to listen to the conversations. They just want to be near this walking miracle that is Jesus. And so there's lots of jostling about in the midst of this situation as they're headed to Jairus' house across town. Verse 43. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now remember, Jairus' daughter was also 12, and she had an issue that she needed to be taken care of. This woman has this issue for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So she spent everything she had trying to be healed, looking for answers. In what we would think would be the right place, she went to doctors. And none of them had any answers. No one could provide any answers. No one could provide any hope. And so she, like Jairus, hears that Jesus is coming through town again. She had heard from last time that Jesus was there, that people were healed. And so she has her issue. She wasn't able to be healed last time. Maybe she wasn't around. She was at a doctor's appointment or something last time Jesus was there or whatever. But Jesus is coming back. And she, she makes a beeline for that area too. And we learn from Mark chapter 5, his telling of this situation, that the woman had anticipated Jesus coming, and she had thought in her mind, if I can just touch his clothes, just, just a tiny, if I can just, he, he's got so much power, and, and God has blessed him so much, if I can just touch a little piece of his clothes, then I will be healed, and my issue will be gone. So she's placing all of her hope on that, all of her faith in that. She just considered Jesus so powerful, even though previously she had put so much faith in the doctors and that didn't pan out, in, in, in alternate forms of healing and that didn't pan out. You know, sometimes when we're looking in our own lives for healing or just relief, we look in so many different places, in so many different people, or in so many different things, just to try to numb it a little bit, just to try to get some relief a little bit, just to try to get <laughs> a way out, just, just even for, for a second. For, when we look in all these different areas, maybe it's binging, maybe it's eating, maybe it's, it, it, it's medicine, maybe it's um, social media, it's our phone. We just look for, uh, for just a breather to get out from under the, the, the pressure of whatever this thing is. And this woman went to all these areas. She went to, the, I mean, she went to doctors where you're supposed to go, and they couldn't provide that healing, couldn't provide that relief. And at the end of the day, when we go to all these different areas, the issue is still there. The problem is still there. The thoughts are still there. The, the, the emotions that are tied to it are still there. We find no healing, and we end up worse than we were before. And so we need to do what this woman did here. She came to Jesus. We need to come to the healer. Come to the healer. And he can provide the healing we need. Come to the healer. 
and he can provide the peace. He may provide that healing through doctors. That's why he gave doctors and doctors to have their brains to figure stuff out and create medicine. That's why it's there. God did that. But we got to give him the glory for it. But we can still come to the healer and find that relief, find that healing. Well, we may not have found it before. This woman had no hope. This woman had looked in all these different places and found no healing, no relief until she comes to Jesus. So she makes her way out there. Verse 44. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the dis- her discharge of blood ceased. Now, some people picture her going up and, and falling down and touching the bottom of his robe, which could be, she, but the way it's been described to so many people pressing in, she probably would have gotten trampled there. She could have touched the, the hem of his sleeve, possibly, or many guys, particularly rabbis back then, wore like a sash around with it draped down and hanging in the back. She could have touched that as well. However it played out, she elbowed her way through the crowd and got up there and reached out and just touched the fringe of something. And immediately she felt healing, a feeling she hadn't felt in 12 years. She, she felt the, the issue stop. Undoubtedly, she stopped there in the middle of the road, eyes wide open, experiencing this, this moment and this feeling and allowed the crowd to keep following and going with Jesus. And she would have thought they would have kept on walking and she would have been happy with her healing right there on the road. That was the whole th- reason she came was to find healing and she found it. But Jesus didn't leave it alone. Verse 45. And Jesus said, so you got to picture it though, he stops in the middle of the road with this massive crowd, everything. He stops and he says, who was it who touched me? Who was it? Who was it? He stops looking. Who touched me? Everybody's like looking at each other. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Who, 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 who touched him? So Peter responds. Everybody denies it. Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. So Peter says, basically, Jesus, everybody touched you. Jesus, five seconds ago, I touched you. What do you mean, who touched you? We all are touching you, Jesus. <laughs> What do you mean? Who you want to know? I mean, just look at everybody's face. It's all of us touched you. That's what Peter says. Some of us might might think it in our minds what, what Peter says, but Peter can't contain his tongue. It just comes out of his mouth. I'm sure none of you know people like that, but that's Peter. Everybody's touching you. Verse 46. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. So Jesus changes the conversation now. He says, I know somebody came here for healing. They touched me and were healed. He says, I know something happened. Who was it? But we know from the passage, most likely Jesus knew this woman. Probably when they were headed towards this town, they got up that morning, he knew he was going to have that encounter in that road with this woman. I almost picture Jesus when he feels her touch the hem of his robe and the power go and her be healed. He almost smiles a little bit. There she is. But nobody else knows. Jesus has a sense. I I almost picture it like when God in the garden after Adam and Eve sinned and he came in the garden and he said, where are you? God, of course, knew where they were, but he wanted them to come forward. 
And so here with this woman, Jesus says, somebody touched me, who was it? Looking around at the crowd, knowing all the while that she's right there, it's her. He knows, it's her. She's the one who's been healed. But look at verse 47. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. So she realizes she's been found out. Like, there's no reason to hide anymore. He knows. There's no reason to, to do anything else. He knows what happened. And so she makes her way back up. You know, she touched him. They probably walked a little further before they stopped. She makes her way back up there and says, it was me. I did it. I had this issue, and I couldn't find any healing. I couldn't find any relief. But I needed help. And so I came to you, and I touched your robe, and I was healed. And she says it to Jesus, but everybody else is listening. It's quiet, all in the crowd. They're listening to what has just happened, hearing her testimony of healing. And Jesus looks down at her because she's kneeling and said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Only, I believe this is the only time he calls somebody daughter. It's a, it's a term of, it's an intimate term. It's a close term. It's a compassionate term. It's a term of love. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, that phrase, made you well, literally that means saved you. In the Greek, it's, it means saved you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But while all this is going on, you've got to remember the whole thing that this story started with. Jairus begging for his daughter's life. They're on their way to Jairus' house. This woman comes up and touches him. Jesus stops everything, stops the journey to Jairus' house, turns around to this woman, has this conversation, tells her, your faith has saved you. And while Jesus is still talking to the woman, verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Jesus had paused and talked to this woman just long enough this interruption, just long enough that Jairus' daughter died. The whole reason Jairus went and the whole reason they were traveling across town and now she's dead. They said, don't bother the teacher anymore. He's got a lot to do. He's got a lot of other people to heal. Um, so let's just quietly slip out. But Jesus overhears this conversation. Verse uh, 50. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Now, I, first off, before we get to what Jesus says there, I love how it says, uh, Luke writes, but Jesus, on hearing this, he answered them. See, the servant came, uh, or someone from the ruler's house came and spoke to Jairus, but Jesus answered the one who came. He didn't say anything to Jesus. He didn't have any question for Jesus, but Jesus broke into the conversation and answered the man coming in the place of Jairus. And he said, don't fear, only believe. Just like they just saw that this woman who was healed, her faith saved her. He says, you have the same amount of faith. Just believe and she will be well. Verse 51. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. Now, just to point out as an aside, this is the first time Jesus separates Peter, James, and John. The first time he 
he, he, he does something separately with just those three guys. So the, all the other disciples are left outside, maybe crowd control, whatever. But he takes Peter, James, and John, the mother and father, into the house. Verse 52. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. Now, there were a lot of people in the house, probably friends and family. And back then, there was a job uh, that was a, a people who were professional mourners, that they got paid to come when somebody died and mourn with you, cry with you, just be there with you. Even if you had friends and family, if you didn't, they would come. And, but even if you had them, they would come and, and expect to be paid to be there. And so this house has some of those people. And so Jesus comes in the house and he says, do not weep, stop your crying. She's not dead, she's only sleeping. Verse 53, and they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. So their weeping turned to laughing, laughter there in a moment. They began to laugh at Jesus, knowing that she was dead. Maybe they saw her take her last breath. But Jesus steps forward in the midst of their laughter, verse 54, Taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So he brings the girl back to life. Everyone in the house is just flabbergasted. I mean, this is amazing. Like they were laughing at Jesus at the suggestion that this kind of thing would happen. Then the thing happens and their jaws hit the floor. They don't know what they just saw. They have no idea what they just experienced in the room. Uh, they probably feel extremely embarrassed that they laughed at him just a few moments ago. But I want to point something out. As they're headed to Jairus' house, before they, you know, when the woman comes and interrupts Jesus, the woman has interrupted Jesus. I think it's back up in verse uh, 45, when Jesus stops and says, who was it that touched me? Jesus didn't have to stop. He didn't have to stop. The woman came, the woman touched him, verse 44, she was healed. It was taken care of. He could have just kept on going and the woman would have got what she came for and still had her faith because she, she believed that if she just touched the robe, she would be healed. So she had the faith and the power of Jesus. But Jesus stopped everything and, and he chose to allow the interruption. He chose to allow the interruption to change everything. He stopped the procession. He stopped the plan. He stopped what they were going to do. No doubt Jairus was going crazy over on the side saying, she's healed. Let's, mm, gee, it's, there's my house right there. Come on, let's just go right over there. You can come back and talk to the woman. She can come with us. Jesus. Let's just get to the house. Jesus. But Jairus is over there, and Jesus stops everything and allows the, op, the, the interruption to upend the day. And we, we, I see this, and Jesus do this, and I think about me and how I would have reacted. You know, how often do we prioritize our own plan, our own agenda, our, our, our own thoughts above what somebody would come and try to interrupt us with. Let me, let me reframe it a little bit about how I see Jesus responding when he's interrupted. Because, honestly, from anyone's objective outside perspective, the more urgent matter was the dying girl. I mean, that, if there's ever a need to hurry in Jesus' ministry, it's right now. We've got to run, we've got to get there, 
this girl's dying, this, this, this woman's had her issue for 12 years, one more hour's not going to be a problem, let's just get over here, heal the girl, then come back and take care of this situation. Jesus doesn't triage, he doesn't do any of that, he just allows the interruption to take place. Now obviously he's Jesus and he's gonna, he plans on raising the girl from the dead, so he knows what's going on, but his, his response to the interruption, even though others, his own disciples probably thought they needed to get to the house as quickly as possible, but really, the issue shouldn't be when we're in the midst of, of something, in the throes of something, and somebody comes and brings an interruption. The, the, the issue shouldn't be, or the question shouldn't be, is what I'm doing right now more important than what this person is trying to interrupt me with? Because honestly, that's how we frame it in our minds, right? This person's bringing something to me that's not as important as what I'm doing. Or I will lose my train of thought if I stop and allow myself to be interrupted. I've got to keep going and keep plugging away and allow, if I can just get this done, I can focus more here and do this. But Jesus, in his response to this woman, his question wasn't, is what I'm doing more important than what I'm being interrupted with? The issue, the question really should be, do I value what I'm doing more than I value the person who's coming to interrupt me. You see, it wasn't about the action, one action being more important than the other. It was, is this person more important than the other person? Because however the person who's interrupting us may feel, it still can feel like a rejection when we don't allow the interruption. Like a slap down, me doing the dishes are more important than you. I, I use that illustration because that's often when I'm interrupted is somebody, a little person smaller than three feet will come up running and asking a question that, you know, can honestly, their thing can be taken care of in three, four, five seconds, but I'm in the middle of what I'm doing. And if I could just give me five minutes, three, three minutes, I'll, I'll be quick. And, and then we can go and take care of your thing. Almost like brushing them off. But the way Jesus stops everything and focuses on this woman because of what he says there in verse 48, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. You see, because to Jesus, both the girl was valuable and the woman was valuable. He stopped where he was headed to bring the woman healing and salvation because the woman was just as valuable as the girl. He allowed the interruption because of the value of the person. Now, honestly, sometimes, obviously, there are things we, we need to get done and, and we can just wait uh, and take care of other things, but more often than not, the things we get interrupted with or the people who come to interrupt us need to realize in how we communicate, how we respond, they are valued. They are valued. And sometimes how we respond communicates their value to us, how valuable they are to us. You see, the way of Jesus, walking in the way of Jesus, if we're going to walk like Jesus walked and be like Jesus was and, and live our lives in the way Jesus was, or the way Jesus did, we have to embrace the interruption because the way of Jesus values everyone, everyone. The way of Jesus values everyone. The way of Jesus values the interruption because of the interrupter. 
The way of Jesus values the interrupter. For the sake of eternity, for the sake of salvation, for the sake of the individual's well-being. Verse 48, for the sake of the individual, he allows the interruption for the sake of the interrupter. That person is more important most of the time, all of the time. That, that was a wrong statement. The person is always more important than whatever we've got going on in our agenda. In a thousand years, what's going to matter more? That person or me making sure I scrub that pot really, really well? What's going to matter more? Me finishing this text in a timely manner or making sure this person feels loved, feels invested in? What's going to matter more? It's the person every single time. That's why Jesus stops. No one expected him to stop. Most of all, Jairus, his disciples, anybody in the crowd, they saw Jairus come. They knew what they were going to do. When Jesus stopped everything, that threw everybody for a loop. But for Jesus, the woman was important. The woman was important. You know, there's, also, there's actually a time I wrote it down here in my notes. In Mark chapter 10, you know, I'm going to flip there real quick. Um, I think I have this on the screen. Didn't I, Tony? Mark 10? Okay, good. I couldn't remember if I put it in there. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus was interrupted. He was teaching, and some parents were bringing children to him. And the disciples were stopping the parents from bringing children to interrupt him. Mark 10, verse 13. They were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples are rebuking these parents for bringing their children to Jesus. And look at, what, look at this, verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was indignant here. You know, when Jesus threw people out of the temple, it never says in either one of those passages that he was mad. It never says he was indignant when he drove people out of the temple. But he's indignant here because his disciples stopped the interruption. His disciples stopped these people from interrupting him. So he's indignant. And he says to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. You see, because to Jesus, people matter. People matter. So the way of Jesus considers people. The way of Jesus considers the individual. You need to know that for your own self. You matter to Jesus. You're never interrupting him. You matter to Jesus. People matter to Jesus. So following the way of Jesus means investing in people, allowing the interruption. There's actually another instance in uh, Mark chapter 2, when Jesus was teaching in a house and some guys brought one of their friends who was paralyzed, couldn't get in the house, so many people climb up on the roof, break open the roof, and lower the guy in the house and interrupt Jesus. But you know what's fascinating about that passage? It's Mark chapter 2, it's a couple pages over. Let me find it. Uh, here we go. 
we have no idea what Jesus was teaching about. He's there in the house teaching. This is Jesus teaching. But the thing we have recorded is not his teaching, is the interruption. Because sometimes the interruption is more impactful than what was going on beforehand. Not to say Jesus' teaching wasn't impactful, but the disciples didn't write down what he was teaching. They wrote down the interruption. We need to lean into the interruption. You see, that's the challenge. Last week I gave you a challenge to try to do something for somebody without letting them know it was you. But this week, here's the challenge. Lean into interruptions for the sake of the interrupter. Lean into interruptions. I've been trying to do, I've done great. I've been trying to do it all week. Um, uh, but it's going to be difficult. It's going to fight your very nature. But that's the challenge for this week. Lean into interruptions for the sake of the interrupter. Lean into them. Embrace them. Walk with them. Even if that means what you were doing is going to take twice as long, lean into the interruption for the sake of the individual person. For their sake, for their heart, for their benefit, for their better well-being, for their very salvation. Lean into the interruption and walk in the way of Jesus. You see, something that's so great about Jesus, everything is, is that no matter who you are or when you come, everyone who comes to Jesus, they are never left behind. Jesus leaves no one behind who comes to him. They're in, 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 walking into the town. Jairus comes to him, he walks with Jairus. The woman comes to him, he stops and, and saves the woman. No one who comes to Jesus is ever left behind. The, the children who came to Jesus, his disciples tried to turn away. They were not left behind. The guys who dropped their friend in in front of Jesus were not left behind. Jesus leaves no one behind who comes to him. And so we must do the same. We must leave no one behind. We must pursue that individual because they are valuable. To Jesus. Everyone is valuable to Jesus. No one is left behind who comes to him. And so the question for you then today is, will you come to Jesus? Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, will you come to Jesus today? Come to him with your burdens. Come to him with your struggles. Come to him with the fact that you may never allow interruptions because it drives you absolutely crazy. When the same person comes and interrupts you with the same issue 15 times, you've already explained it 14 times, and number 15 is going to be the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, and you're about to lose it like nothing before. But allow the interruption. Lean into the interruption for the sake of the interrupter. Will you yourself come to Jesus today and follow him, but will you come to him for the first time and believe in him for the first time today, that he is God's son, that he died for your sins to be forgiven, and he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. Come to Jesus today. So we're going to pray here just a second. And uh, uh, after we pray, we're going to stand up, we're going to sing, and I'm going to invite you to come and pray. Pray for your heart, pray for your family, pray for uh, our church, our community that needs Jesus desperately. Um, but come and pray Maybe pray for the interaction of somebody coming to interrupt you. Because I guarantee you, if you adopt this challenge and lean into the interruption, 
you're going to have an interruption very quickly, maybe today, maybe before you even walk out of this room, that is going to be one of your triggers, going to be one of your frustrations. And you're going to be tested right off the bat. Do, do I, am I going to, to do this deal, this way of Jesus thing and lean into the interruption, even if it messes up my day, even if it uh, uh, hijacks what I had on my mental agenda for today? Will you lean into the interruption for the sake of the interrupter? Pray in anticipation for strength and perseverance and watch what God does with that. Because maybe that will be your moment, like an I have a dream moment that changes the course of human history.